Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, I'm Eric Eastep. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back, listeners. Scott, how are you today? I'm all right, I think. You're, you're all right? What, is that, what does that mean? Well, it means different things to different people. <laughs> and, to, and to you right now? Oh, it, it means that I feel like I've been running from one thing to another and uh, having to jump in on them before I'm ready. But mm. so I'm okay, but it's not like, mm-hmm. oh, I feel 100%. Right. So I'm all right. That's good. But probably good you made me define what I mean when I talk about being all right because mm-hmm. you could misunderstand that I suppose well one of my annoying traits is when, when sometimes when people answer how they're doing and they give whatever answer they give I kind of gauge based on their tone like oh out of a 10 that sound sounds like a six and so they'll, sometimes they'll go oh actually no it's a, it's a nine or or actually it is a six oh. um but it it's different. Some people use different words to mean something pretty down or different pretty, numbers too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's always pretty interesting. To so you said dig in a you said bit. one of your annoying things. What are some of your other annoying things? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that list available. Oh, right now. <laughs> that's a, I'm sorry. We hit delete on that list. Uh, but today we we are going to talk about words. Not not my list of annoying traits. Um, oh, you have to come back for that. That's, that's a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't have time. It's right. a very long episode. Yeah, we, sure. we don't have time for short episodes. <laughs> um, but I think it is important because we use words, and I may maybe I say I'm all right, and I mean something vastly different than you, than you mean when you say all right, mm-hmm. uh, because words attach to ideas, and some people attach um, different ideas to words, and they just use them, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what you mean. Um, and being that this podcast is often about church and politics, I can't think of very many <laughs> other places where it's difficult to ex- figure out exactly what words you are. I, I know what words you're using. I don't know what you're referring to all the time. Do you well, have any? Well, think about that. I mean, you have, you have conversations with people about politics and see, that's one of the things we're hoping we're going to help people with mm-hmm. is how, how do you have the conversations about politics? Well, one of the real, one of the, you know, realities is people mean different things by with the same word. Mm-hmm. You can mean two different things, and and politics is one of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you mean that uh, your uh, you need policies? Do you mean partisan? Do you mean mm-hmm. government? Do you mean um, you know posturing between powerful people mm-hmm. or uh, something that happens at the office? Office politics, right? I mean, there's all kinds of politics that you could mean when you use just the one word. And so if we're going to talk about that or about church or about mm-hmm. all the things that we would want to talk about on this podcast, you probably ought to have some way of uh, figuring out what it is you're actually talking about. Right. Well, let's grab an example before we get to the politics <clears throat> sphere. Uh, I think one of the most overused words, not overused, 
uh, it's often used, but not always in the same context. I think, and it's pretty difficult to figure out what people mean when they, when they use it. Just the word love. I love burritos. <laughs> I, I love uh, driving around in my Jeep when the top's down and, and it's summer outside. I love my kids. I, I love my job. Like all of those are different categories of verb. Okay. <laughs> and if I'm, if, if you don't define those, it's going to be very difficult to know. If I thought you loved your kids like you love your burrito, I would con- severely misunderstand I either, you, wouldn't I? <laughs> I either love my burrito way too much or I love my kids way too little. Uh, yes. Um, I'm <laughs> I have a very weird mental picture right now, but that's okay. Okay. Because that's what we're talking about. Yeah. It's how to figure out. We got to figure out what are you talking about? So, you know, we would recommend that you always ask the question. What do you mean by that? In fact, it's probably a, just a good discipline to, um, you know, like you did when I said I was all right. You said, what do you mean by that? I mean, mm-hmm. what does that mean? And asking the second level question like that is going to, you're going to get rid of 80% of mm-hmm. the problems that you have in talking about politics with somebody. If you simply do that, you don't even need to use the same definition as them. Right. But just make sure you understand what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of times when people will use fairness when they mean justice or mm. justice when they mean fairness. And if you don't ask that question, what do you mean by that? Right. You, you will not be on the same page and you won't have a meaningful conversation. So uh, I, I do think that it's really worth um, asking that second mm-hmm. question. Just if you don't do anything else, if you don't have right. to, we're going to talk about some definitions today, but you don't need to agree with us about the definition. You just right. need the discipline. I just need a discipline. I need that discipline to just say, well, okay, well, what do you mean by that? Right. And and then we go with what they mean by that rather than what I thought I heard. You right. see, because I jumped to what I think I hear. And just make and an I assumption get, and start rolling. And fired up, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and that, that would be helpful if you're having a disagreement or argument of some kind or just in general conversation. Uh, that'll relieve a lot of miscommunication um in their misunderstanding ways, yeah there are ways to do it well and ways to make it worse when right. you do that i mean what do you mean by that we were talking about well that but but i know for instance i mean i was talking to somebody about a religious exemption mm. back in the back in the vaccination days or the mostly the vaccination days right the, the, the vaccination days i <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> what do I mean by that? Oh, I don't even want to talk about it, okay? But yes, back in the days when it was the you know, COVID vaccine was new and so controversial. And the reality is people were meaning, the people I was talking to were meaning I'm religious and I don't want to take the vaccine. When they said I have a religious exemption. Therefore, I need a religious exemption. Mm-hmm. Where that's, where I, I, I could tell that's what they meant. Mm-hmm. So I didn't need to ask, what do you mean? Because mm-hmm. more or less that became very clear. Mm-hmm. But I would just sort of, I probably rolled my eyes and probably had, you know, did whatever. Mm-hmm. Because religious exemption means I believe something religiously or in, about my religious faith that requires me to be exempt. Mm. So it has to do with the nature of what I actually have previously believed. 
And so if I was going to give, you know, write a letter of religious exemption for somebody, I would have to know that one of the tenets of my faith is, you know, no vaccinations or no medical care or no, Mm -hmm. um, uh, whatever. And that isn't, you know, that isn't part of my, um, religious that's not a tenet of my belief Mm -hmm. system and so to have the conversations about religious exemption even though i understood what they meant they weren't you know talking about it technically like you have to have a tenet of your faith and therefore Mm -hmm. you're exempt and so i just had to adjust the way i listened even though i didn't agree with their definition so Mm -hmm. anyway some of that is uh you know it, it is what it is but you're never going to have a meaningful conversation if you don't understand the other person. Right. And all this should be under the the rubric of desiring to understand, seeking to understand, not just make the point or win the argument or whatever. Uh, If I can, I can come in with a prideful attitude and ask, what do you mean by that? Because I'm going to dismantle you and it's going to, it's going to be over. Oh, please do Eric. Or, (laughs) or, uh, what do you mean by that? Because I want to understand what you are saying so we can actually have a meaningful conversation about this and um, get to a level of understanding. And it goes back to your initial definition of love. Mm. If you're going to love somebody, one of the things that you're going to do, regardless of whether it's your kids or your spouse or your enemy, mm-hmm. is you're going to un- seek to understand them. Mm-hmm. In a burrito you seek to understand your burrito, I suppose. Well, and clearly level. by love my burrito, I mean, I really enjoy eating burritos. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so anyway, but all that to say that, that one of the, you know, I don't know, tenets of loving somebody, the, the practical ways to love somebody is to understand them mm-hmm. and, or at least work at understanding them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you have that tool in the back of your, in your back pocket there, what do you mean by that? One, that's going to put you in a rhythm of understanding people. And I've found it changes the way I speak too. I'm going to become less sloppy with my language because I'm aiming for more precision in how I talk about things, <clears throat> which it's dialogue is a two-way street, right? Not just a, oh, I need to understand what they're saying. I also need to communicate in a way that I'm clear what I'm referring to. Um, and rather than just, mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't say I love burritos because it's it's not the best it's not the best word for that. It's not, not very the clear. clearest, right? Right. And so, I mean, some of it is. So you said, what do you mean by that? That's a. Uh, I, I can just imagine conversation where I'm a little unclear, and, and I'm talking to you maybe, and mm-hmm. you're, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? And it's like a, it's like talking to a two year old who just says. You know, <laughs> talking, talking to a two-year-old no, gets no, existential no. pretty quick. Yeah, <laughs> and so um, they're where they're always asking questions. But you just—I think there's lots of ways to ask that question. Is what I'm getting mm-hmm. at. You know, what do you mean by that? Is one, but help me understand mm-hmm. how you arrived at that, or help me understand what you're meaning when you're talking about this, or um, help me see where you got that idea. Mm-hmm. So you're asking all these you know, uh, questions that you're attempting to surface what they really do intend to communicate. Right. So you can ask it a number of different ways and we don't really care how you ask it as long as you're just thoughtful and loving toward the person that you're talking to. And, uh, you'll, if you seek to understand them, then you're going to have much better conversation. So, well, I started out by saying that one of the 
one of the words that we um, tend to misunderstand is the word politics. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hate politics. Uh, I want to avoid <laughs> politics. So I don't know. I don't actually hate politics. I think that's just a phrase people say often. And I'm not always sure what they mean. I did say I wanted to avoid politics. The reality <laughs> is, can you? You know, that's the that's question. Well, it depends what right. you're talking about. Right. Because a lot of times when people talk about politics, what they've meant is government or they took meaning or, or posturing, mm-hmm. which I want to avoid. Or the power no. grabbing stuff or. Yeah, or, or really technical um, policies or partisan things. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, politics would be one of those words that we would want to be a little more clear about, especially in the context of church and politics, Mm -hmm. because um, there's a sense in which uh, you may say, oh, see, here I'm going to go. I'm going to like stick all the words in and swirl them around, Mm -hmm. like separation of church and state. That means I don't want to do politics. Pour all the words in, stir Mm -hmm. them all around. Better be clear about what you're talking about. Okay, so... Uh, if somebody's going to talk to you about politics, Eric, what would you, um, what would you want them to be talking about, or what would you, mm. how would you use that word in the best, most clear way? Well, I think to be most helpful, because I, I don't think politics is a word we should avoid, and I think it's a very, you need a definition that's large enough to encapsulate a bunch of stuff, because it's not just. Um, how I interact with American government or interact with the power plays in the office. Uh, I think Patrick Schreiner had a helpful definition in his book, uh, The Political Gospel. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, He just says simply the activities associated with the organization and governance of people, which you might go, man, that's big. I I don't know. Like, and I think politics is big, is that broad. Um, And we have, we often refer to narrow definitions, but I think politics is that big. It's the it's the interaction of people and how we're organized together, and how we govern, uh, how how we are governed. I was going to say govern ourselves, but that that speaks to my Americanness. Um, and there are activities within that, uh, the way politicians interact uh, in Congress, or uh, the way presidents give speeches, or whatever. There's stuff that happens in our context that is a subset of this, the activities associated with the, or, with the organization and governance of people. Which is, you say it's a big definition. It, it applies to uh, soccer coaches and soccer mm-hmm. leagues and referees. It applies to churches because they organize and govern mm-hmm. people. It applies to neighborhood associations. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of, there's even a sense, if you use that definition, the activities associated with the organization and governance of people, that you have politics in your own home. Mm-hmm. But the, why would you use that big of a definition? Well, I want, well, one of the points that Patrick brings up, his book is called The Political Gospel. One of his points is that the gospel is inherently political. And the good news about what Jesus did is has political ramifications. And if we just... No, okay. governmental rev- regula- regulations? Or, what did uh, I say? I, did I, you said... Political, I forgot what I said now. You said political ramifications. I said Political. And I was asking, clarifying question, governmental mm-hmm. ramifications? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and I'd want it to be that big because... 
and we've talked about this a bunch on the podcast, Jesus is the king. We're going through Matthew and church. Jesus is the king. That's a uh, political idea. That's a governance idea that, that Jesus is the king. And I want the, the idea of politics to be big enough so that it encompasses that and not, okay, I'm going to limit this word. So the gospel's not included. Jesus is not included. Uh, and we, we make it something apart from what Jesus is doing in the world. And so when you t- when you use politics that way, there is not a secular politic mm. or a sacred politic. Mm-hmm. There is this sense in which, uh, for for the sake of human flourishing, and I think for the mm-hmm. sake of human flourishing, you're going to have to organize and govern the people right. one way or the other. Right. And so you're you want a definition that allows you. Mm-hmm. to organize them and govern them. And if you believe that's what Jesus was doing in his kingdom, right? then you're going to have a political gospel and you're going to have mm-hmm. a political intersection between church and state or right. between church and school or between church and something else. When so. you said there's no, there's no secular politics, I think there's an attempt by some to make a secular politics. Oh, no question. And there's... And, this we've referenced City of God before Augustine's work. He, I th- uh, Patrick uses this paraphrase for politics for him. People bound together by common loves. In the whole book, City of God is about there's one city, the City of God, organized around love of God. So a, a properly organized politic, a properly organized um, interaction with God, and then there's the City of Man that is a rejection of. Yeah, God put all this together, but we don't want any part of it. So they're going to attempt to do a politics that is, um, they're going to attempt to organize themselves in a way that is absent God um, or against God. So if I say, Eric, how about if we do a a podcast called City on a Hill about church and politics? Um, how How do you understand that sentence? I need to ponder that for a second. Well, the, well, the funny piece is that um, God is organizing people. God is governing people, whether we we choose to <laughs> believe that or not. So there's, there's a bit of redundancy there, as if I'm talking about two different things, right? right. Which betrays a lack of clarity in my mm-hmm. definition of politics. That mm-hmm. politics is somehow government or American government, and the church is something or other party than stuff that. or something. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, when we're talking about, you know, probably your best definition of church and politics, you're talking about organizing and governing people mm-hmm. in a way that somehow does involve the church. So it's not two separate things. It's more one one thing, mm-hmm. which then all of a sudden you really are into a, you're into it then. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and we must, uh, I mean, it's part of the image of, image of God. God put us in this world and said, I want you to have dominion and care of this place. There's a, from the very beginning, there's a governance and an organization that is part of what it means to be human. So to go, oh, that politics is something I don't like is to, to reject something that we're supposed to be doing. And, and granted we do it poorly often because we're broken people and we do it absent God, um, because we're broken people, but, um, it's what we should be doing. And we mm-hmm. should be doing well, and ultimately Jesus is going to govern us well, and it'll be it'll be lovely. Um, but in the meantime, we don't do it well, and so there's a there's a distaste um, for even the word. And I think we can jump to another word because I think often we say we don't like politics. 
What we're really saying is I don't like partisan uh, activity. I don't like um, people who are partisans. And what, what is the definition of partisan? That would be, if I am partisan, uh, there's feeling, showing, or deriving um, from strong and sometimes blind adherence to a political party or faction or cause or person. So you might hear about, oh, that, that guy's just, just a party man. Um, or when I was running for office, you'd hear about hacks, party hacks. That guy just is towing the, the party line, regardless of whether it's good or accurate or true or helpful. Um, he's just going to do whatever will further advance this particular party. And that's very partisan. And it, it's just team um, adversarial interaction. That's partisan. And we, and we would say partisan politics, right? We're going organi- to organize ourselves, but all the emphasis is going to be on party. That party or my part, um, that party is the party we don't want to win. We want our party to win. And all the emphasis is about that. It's partisan. Fair enough. And I think that that's, uh, you know, some of what you're talking about there is different because is you might have partisan politics as a partisan is the adjective describing the way that you organize and govern people. But when you're talking about partisan things, you're usually talking about uh, in group and an out group mm-hmm. and an adversary and, mm-hmm. a, and a teammate, you might say. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you have to, I think, as a Christian, be careful that your identity is first and foremost. Right. You can have a political identity because God is doing that in the world. Mm-hmm. A partisan identity is a little bit different mm-hmm. for, a, for a believer, I think. Right. Because then you're committing yourself uh, you know, for some people and against other mm-hmm. people. And it doesn't necessarily have to be party. It said faction or cause or person. It could be, uh, I care about this particular po- uh, policy or against this policy, then you, you set up partisan, um, partisan relationships about uh, climate change activism, or um, you, like, you, like, you like gas cars and they like electric cars. Okay, now we're going to have a partisan relationship and be anti one another just mm-hmm. because, of, because of our interaction about a particular policy or idea. You're in different parties on mm-hmm. what kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, you could do that in two different gas cars. Somebody can oh, be yeah. a foreign, foreign Ford guy and, and a Chevy yeah, guy or yeah. Toyota guy. And yeah. So, well, that, that leads me then to suggest that if you're going to be partisan, you're either going to be right or left. Mm-hmm. Is that, what do you mean by that? <laughs> oh, you're catching on here, Eric. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I mean that you're in the party that's on the right of the party that's on the left. I might not actually know what I mean <laughs> when I say right or left which I think is something that happens quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty interesting because we, those two phrases are, are thrown around all the time in uh, political discourse or the news or uh, partisan interaction, whatever. That is a, a common phrase, oh, that, that, that's a man of the right or that's a man of the left or that person's far right or that person's far left. And right wing, left wing. Right wing, left wing, center left, center right. Like, mm-hmm. what, are we, what are we talking about? And really this goes and this is the funny thing it's i don't find it actually that helpful right and left um but it it assumes um uh what's the word i was well i like right and wrong better sure there you go because <laughs> i'm nice. i'm partisan right there you go is it, but anyway yes but it, it assumes two teams um there's Definitely. two teams and you're on one side I, I, the other person's on another side whatever partisan partisan 
And the interesting thing is this reference goes back to, it goes back to a seating chart all the way back to the French assembly during the French revolution. So you had a, a bunch of people coming together to do politics, to do the organization of people during the French revolution. And they sat themselves by agreement um, with the king or, or actually the ancient regime because the French revolution got rid of the king and it was this, read some history, it's, it's a thing. Um, but if, if you sat further to the right, then you were more aligned with the king and you thought, hey, I think we should bring back this king thing. I think we should bring back the monarchy. And if you sat further to the left, you were about not having a monarchy and having, um, you were for this revolution. So you, you sat on the right or the left and they actually uh, would, would sit closer to the middle if they were more moderate about it and maybe they were willing to give or, give or take. Um, but we've taken that language and we've ran with it, even though it has really no bearing <laughs> well, on what we do here because we don't sit that way. And how would you, I mean, you don't really want to be referred to in terms of the French Revolution. Right. I wouldn't think, but. I just find it fascinating that it just, it took, and now we talk about the right and we talk about the left, and no one is sitting, I mean, any room in America based on their support or lack of support for. A king. A king at all. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's really fascinating. Yeah. So. So it, again, if someone says I'm a person of the right or a person of the left, or I don't agree with the right or agree with the left, what, what do you mean by that is a great question. Uh, and I think. And a lot of times they will pick too an issue that's mm -hmm. right where they'll think they're more conservative on the issue. So they're more to the right mm -hmm. on that issue or the left mm -hmm. as the case may be. Yeah. And that does, that makes even less sense perhaps. Yeah. And, and part of the, um, part of the reason we need some of these definitions is so that we can, if you care to understand what's going on in the American uh, political landscape, you, you need some handholds so you can go, okay, I know where this person is. I know where that person is. I know what they're talking about. Um, and right and left is used all the time. I don't think it's super helpful. Um, one of the things that will happen is regardless of where someone stands, if, if they're uh, defined as right, they could be very extreme um, but they're still on the right. So now they're, they're far right, whatever that means, or left if they're, they're on the left. And again, you just put a middle point down somewhere. And really what they're generally saying is they belong to this party or they belong to that party. If they're mm -hmm. left, they belong to the democratic party. If they're right, they belong to the uh, Republican party. But I think a better way of talking about things I got from a book, um, called broken news by Chris Starwalt. He was just writing about journalism in general. And he, he was addressing the same problem. There's, it's far too broad to just have two categories. If we're going to talk about the political actors, the people um, who are working to govern, uh, whether in Congress or uh, president or whatever, even at your state level, two, two categories is not big enough. So he breaks it into four different categories. Within our uh, sphere, there's, the, there's those who would call them, those who are progressive, those who are liberal, those who are conservative, and those who are uh, nationalistic. And he goes through and defines those and says, okay, you got from left to right, if you were to use that category, you have progressive, liberal, conservative, nationalist. Um, and that's helpful because there's a lot more going on than just two parties. There's a lot more going on than just two, um, two beliefs about how the world's put together within the... So in trying to understand these words, when somebody's talking about some, somebody or some thing that's more progressive, mm -hmm. they're generally talking about something that's 
beyond liberal? Uh, that's a good. That's a good question. Um, all of this would be bound by how someone views the founding documents of our country. So, if you have you have the Constitution, you have um, the Declaration of Independence. Those are the founding documents. How how we have organized ourselves. Um, again, to use the the definition of political, that's how we have organized ourselves and, and have governed ourselves. Mm -hmm. And someone who is is uh, let's start in the middle, actually. Someone who is um, liberal would say, yeah, we we champion the the principles of liberty that are in the Constitution. Uh, but in general, uh, someone who is, is liberal is not going to limit themselves to just those principles that are in the Constitution. There's, hey, there's more, there's more principles than that. And um, we want to, we want to aim for some of those. One thing that could be referenced would be the four freedoms. You've probably seen those paintings by Oh shoot! Now I'm I'm forgetting the name. Um, he wrote he he drew for the Saturday Evening Post, just the classic guy in the forties. Oh. Um, Norman Rockwell. Norman Rockwell. You've probably seen those Norman Rockwell in the Four Freedoms paintings, um, which described um, uh, things from a speech by Franklin Roosevelt. There was freedom from fear, there was freedom from of worship, freedom of speech, and freedom from want. Obviously, the freedom from want and freedom um, from fear are not, that's not something granted in the Constitution because it's not something that can be granted. Um, I can't take away your fear, um, but that's, that's an aim of, of liberal. We're going to go beyond just what the Constitution says we want. Uh, we're going to aim for even bigger things. So it's a, it's a little more expansive. Um, and a lot of, well, there's a lot of liberals throughout the, the globe because there's, just liberal aims, liberal principles, and it doesn't have to be defined by oh, how does America define liberal? Uh, it's it could be any. There's lots. There's lots of liberal countries because they are aiming for those type of things. I'm just over here speechless. I didn't have any idea that Norman Rockwell's paintings were. I, I can see. <laughs> I can see four paintings. See I think that fit there. Uh huh. And it never dawned on me that they were related to that. That's so fine. I'm just going to sit here and think <laughs> about that for a moment. You continue this podcast yeah, and yeah. Uh, that'll be fine. So if we were to go on the other side of the middle line, uh, we're talking about the constitution. Someone who is conservative would seek to conserve that, that being the key word there, the vision of America, the American founding and the constitutional system developed to protect individuals, natural rights. Broadly, we would talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So a conservative in an American context is going to limit themselves to preserving the liberal ideas that are in, in the constitution and in the, um, in our founding documents. So they're uh, a conservative in general is going to be a little bit reticent to, um, be more ex like give the government more expansive power. It's going to be what's necessary to do these things and really nothing else. Um, so, so in that middle there, if you were to say that, uh, there, there's going to be some fair, there's going to be a lot of broad agreement because we're, we're going to agree on the same things. We like the, we like the documents. We like the, um, the principles. Um, one, once one of those would be a little bit more expansive in, and the other one would be a little bit more reticent to bring expanse. Then if you were to go to progressive. Well, and again, let me, before you get to progressive and mm -hmm. nationalist, I think it's re really important again, to be taught when people say I'm conservative or I'm liberal, to just press in and ask mm -hmm. the clarifying question because even mm -hmm. your definition of conservative was life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And liberty 
and liberal mm-hmm. are kind of close together. Right. And if I'm really uh, serious about, you know, uh, individual freedom, for instance, mm-hmm. that is a classic liberal who might also be conservative. And you just have to be right. clear about your definitions. Right. And so I appreciate that you are, um, you know, placing them in reference to the founding documents. But again, that's not how every conversation goes. Right. And so as you're talking about this with people, you're just going to want to make sure you understand that what they mean by what they're saying. And mm-hmm. then you have to be clear about what you mean by what you're saying. But, but anyway, carry on. I just right. thought, no, I just good. noticed that even in what you're using for these formal definitions mm-hmm. could be misunderstood. Right. So, and I think it's worth noting people you're in the news, you're talking to people. Generally people will use the word liberal for anything left and just have that huge category of left and it, and conservative for uh, anything right, regardless of how uh, expansive it is on the right. And we'll, we'll talk about some other things there, but I think that's worth noting because the, they use them as very broad terms that because they use them so broadly, it's not helpful. Like, oh, they're, they're very conservative because they're, they mean far right, whatever that means. And we'll, we'll get to that because it doesn't, doesn't actually fit that way. Um, so if we go to, to progressivism, the, and this is from Chris Starwalt, progressivism seeks to ameliorate the problems of humankind by lifting up the downtrodden, but not necessarily within the framework of the American system or the humanistic concept of natural rights. So again, we're in, in reference to this document, the Constitution, um, he talks about progressivism today is different from its version a century ago in some ways, but the core belief remains the same. Scientific and technological advances have made it possible to defeat human nature and the ills that have plagued humankind for 10 millennia. So if you've, if you've read some history, you may know that Theodore Roosevelt was a progressive. He talked about, um, he was one, part of the progressive movement. And 100 years ago, the progressive movement would have said, ah, this whole science of engineering, we, if, we, if we can get some engineers in government, we can turn the levers just the right way and we can um, deal with the brokenness of mankind through engineering. We can, we can solve for X and deal with the problems by engineering. Uh, Herbert Hoover was one of the engineers. He, I can't remember his title, but he basically fed Europe after World War I. And his, it was the, a triumph of progressivism because he used the skills of engineering to uh, deal with the problems of mankind. So similar posture um, now, but it's, it's not quite the same because it's not just engineering, but you'll hear this um, in regards to technology, in regards to sci- science. Um, even the conversation about AI is a lot of this stuff. Uh, we can use this technology to deal with uh, the brokenness, the downtroddenness, and we don't need documents. We don't need anything um, to limit government, if we can just give government the power to use technology or science and let them run, um, we can solve things and fix things. And so just even as you describe that, essentially you're, you're talking about taking some of the boundaries away mm-hmm. and that would make something more progressive, which would, you know, rightly make some people who listen to us, I imagine nervous. Mm-hmm because we're talking about taking boundaries away that <clears throat> may have to do with gender mm-hmm. boundaries a way that have to do with, um, what, what other kind of boundaries would, uh, a big one would be markets, capital markets. Yeah. Um, the, uh, for a long time we could say 
you could you could defend markets by talking about the knowledge problem. No one can have enough knowledge to correctly price how much a loaf of bread should cost. But now you go, well, I have AI and I have supercomputers and I don't need a market anymore because we can plug all that information into a computer and um, they'll give us the price of bread. Okay. And that, that's a appeal to technology uh, that would be willing to jettison. Um, really, that's freedom of enterprise. That's freedom of, um, uh, well, it's property, property mm -hmm. rights. All that stuff is there. And there'd be a willingness to get rid of this thing. Let's change this. Let's make big structural changes that um, change the very system we have. And there'd be a willingness on the progressive side to do that because we know and we have the technology, we have the science. So Okay. Well, that's, that's actually kind of helpful because I hear progressive all the time and don't really know what that means. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, an interesting thing, um, the progressives had to rebrand themselves after the 1920s. Uh, Woodrow Wilson is a famous progressive that did a bunch of terrible things as president. And they rebranded re themselves and, and took on the term liberal uh, for a while. So then it got really confusing because am I progressive? Am I liberal? What are we talking about? Um, and there, there is that confusion and they're, and they're used interchangeably. Hence our, hence our problem right. in hence our, our conversation yep. that we're having exactly. about the meaning of words here. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So then if we were to jump to the other side, um, per perhaps you would say a far right definition. Uh, I think it'd be better to use the term nationalism or nationalist. And this is again from Chris Steyerwalt. Nationalism seeks the betterment of the American nation and its people, but not necessarily its founding principles. So again, less care about keeping the documents um, as founding documents or governing documents. In this view, the individual rights at the center of the founders project have been used against the common good. Nationalists believe that the appropriate aim of the federal government should always be the improvement of life for the greatest number of Americans, even when that comes at a cost to individual rights greater than a strict reading of the Constitution would allow. So, and you, you could probably hear this as I was talking through that, a nationalism, a nationalistic perspective would have an in-group and an out-group. And we're going to protect, uh, the, the goal would be to protect the in-group from the threats of the out-group. And that could be immigration, that could trade. be uh, trade. Um, you'll hear a lot about uh, the dangers of globalism. Uh, we have trade coming in from different countries and different countries will, will make and produce different things and then ship it to us. And that's a threat because it takes jobs away from the in-group. Things from the out-group take jobs away from the in-group. So there is, and it's pretty interesting, on the nationalistic side or the progressive side, there's a willingness to uh, reject um, the documents, the, the mm. things we've founded ourselves on uh, in pursuit of either... Um, we can fix this with technology or something else, or we're going to make our sites narrow and, and take care of this in group. Um, even if it means we get rid of some of these principles. So, so those four, four. So, so, so the way you just described progressive and nationalist was not just more of the same. See, I think that's the way mm -hmm. that I, again, when I'm not careful about my words or, I, or other people aren't, I see right and left, mm -hmm. liberal, conservative, and far right, far left is just more of the same. Mm -hmm. And what you're suggesting is that it's not more of the same. That there, that there is, you know, not just this middle line, there is some sort of zone in which you mm. begin to change the way that you relate to the founding principles of the country. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, they are, they are different, they are different in their aim. But interestingly enough, 
because of the the willingness to reject some things, they do kind of come around and agree on some stuff, which is mm-hmm. pretty interesting. So you have the middle agreeing on some stuff, uh, and I don't like the, the prepositions, uh, but you have the middle agreeing on some stuff and the edges agreeing on some stuff, which is, is pretty fascinating. But I, I give you those four categories because I've found that really helpful if I'm reading the news or watching or, or watching people try to make agree, um, policy agreements or come together for, for specific, specific votes for specific bills or something, if I have those, these four categories, then I begin to go, ah, that person uh, is a Democrat, but they're a liberal and they're interacting with people who are uh, Republicans, but they're conservatives. And then you have the nationalists that are not wanting to interact at all or the progressives that are not wanting to interact at all. And so you can, it's not just... Uh, team one, team two, red, blue. Um, there's more going on there, and it's helpful to see. Oh, that that's why they came together because they agree on things that is not obvious if you just use the party labels. Well, it's helpful because the party labels have recently there's been gridlock, say within the Republican Party, mm-hmm. and I haven't really been clear about why that is, and so this has been helpful. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I would I would say that that's I mean that's been really helpful. So I appreciate you saying that because I'm like my head is kind of spinning here. <laughs> well, do, do we want to come back for another episode and, and do some more definitions? Well, if if we do more definitions, let's do them another time. How's yeah, that? that sounds good. And because uh, I think we could hit some things like church and state and and kingdom and, and things of that nature that would be helpful. But we can do that. And, and, and maybe if there's people, people have some words they want definitions for, oh, there you go. send them in and we can uh, answer those as well. The word so. wizard over here will uh, work on it. So. The word wizard. Yikes. Yes. Um, one, of the, one of the words that we were, were thinking about taking up, we're actually going to ha- get an expert in next week to take up for us. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, we're going to deal with the word authority, which maybe you heard that and just bristled a little bit because you don't like authority or or something like that. Um, but uh, David Coises wrote a book, We Answer to Another, um, about authority, and we're going to have him on the show really soon, and we'll uh, talk with him about authority and see how he defines that and how uh, it's a helpful um, helpful way to think and organize the world. So, And he, we found him to be very helpful before. I'm looking forward to talking to him again. Yeah. Well, I hope no one misses that future episode. So in order not to miss it, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and rate us. I know the Spotify calculations are going out right now and people are realizing what they listen to um, and we're on Spotify too. So you can add us there. If you find what we're doing helpful, a review would go a long way to getting this to other people. Share it with a friend. If you have questions or need some definitions to some words, send them to comment at cityonahillpodcast.com and we look forward to the next conversation.